Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, September 15th, 2019, on the basis of Luke 14, verses 25 through 35. The worst time to make a difficult decision is in the heat of the moment. For example, say you're in the market for a new house, and you see this listing in a great neighborhood, so your realtor arranges for you to stop by for a showing, and sure enough, it's everything you ever wanted. Granite countertops, walk-in closets, beautiful hardwood floors, it's your dream home. If you haven't sat down before that moment and very precisely calculated just how much of a house you can afford, you might end up making a decision that you regret. Or picture a slightly different scenario. Say your mom or your dad is getting very ill. Maybe it even seems as though the end of their life is near. And there are all kinds of decisions that need to be made. Decisions about the treatment they will receive, about how their finances will be managed, about funeral arrangements and what's going to happen to the estate. And if those decisions haven't been made and articulated in the proper legal documents, trying to to make those decisions with all of those emotions running high is going to be a lot harder. The worst time to make a really difficult decision is in the heat of the moment. And if that's the case, then it it really shouldn't surprise us what Jesus says to us in the verses that we're going to be looking at today. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about being divided by Jesus. And once again today, Jesus' words are going to divide. Not so much a, a world full of people into two different groups. Jesus' words are going to divide our own lives into two separate parts. Jesus' words are going to divide our lives between that which is truly most important to us and everything else. That which we are willing to hold on to at all costs and that which we would be willing to let go of if necessary. In Jesus' words, he's going to divide our lives between that which we love and that which we hate. As we'll see today, being a follower of Jesus is full of difficult decisions. And Jesus knows full well that the worst time to make those decisions is in the heat of the moment. And so he wants us to make them way ahead of time. When we can sit back and from a purely objective standpoint analyze the situation rather than waiting until we're in the middle of that situation and acting on pure impulse. Jesus wants us to sit back and and weigh all of the factors involved and count the cost. And as he does, Jesus is going to teach us this that we are to be cold and calculating when it comes to counting the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. So, first of all, what is the the nature of this calculation that Jesus wants us to make? In other words, what exactly is Jesus saying in these verses? That's the place to start because I don't know if you noticed this, but what Jesus says in these verses doesn't sound like something you would expect Jesus to say. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate Father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. One word, of course, jumps out from the page, doesn't it? That word, hate. What makes Jesus' words difficult for us to understand is because when we think of that word, hate, we think of this deep and intense loathing that we might have for someone or for something. In other words, we think of a feeling. 
Rest assured, Jesus isn't telling us that we need to loathe our family or our friends or even our own lives. In fact, he's telling us that in spite of how much we might naturally love those things, in spite of the natural feelings of affection that we have toward those things, we need to always be ready and willing to rank our relationship with those people and those things behind our relationship with Jesus. We need to be willing to even let go of those things or those people if it's necessary in order to hang on to Jesus. Now, if that statement from Jesus seems to be a little bit shocking, I would argue that the statement he makes next is even more shocking. Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. When we think about the things that we want to carry with us in our lives, the things that we want to cling to and embrace and keep around at all times, we may probably think about the things that make us happy, the things that give us pleasure, the things that we find rewarding and fulfilling. In other words, we primarily, again, think about feelings. But Jesus mentions a cross, a cross that is an instrument of the exact opposite of those things, a cross that is an instrument of shame and torture and agony, and a cross that if you carry it, there's just one destination, and that is your death. Those are things that we would naturally loathe, that we'd naturally be filled with feelings of, of aversion toward, and we want to get rid of our lives. And Jesus isn't saying that we have to somehow love those things or seek those things out, but he is saying that in spite of how much we might naturally loathe them, we might need to be willing to embrace them, to hold on to them, to keep them around if it means hanging on to Jesus. So following Jesus means, on the one hand, willing to let go of things that we might naturally love and willing to hang on to things that we might naturally loathe. So what might this look like in your life? Well, if you find yourself having a group of friends that is constantly pressuring you to do things that you know are wrong, following Jesus might mean that you need to find for yourself a different group of friends. If your plans for a Sunday afternoon or your plans for Christmas or your plans for Easter might make it impossible for you to be in God's house on those days, you might need to be late for the afternoon cookout or the family dinner on the holiday. If following Jesus means that you give generously to support the work of the gospel and as a result you can't buy every last thing that you want, if following Jesus means serving others and, and serving here at church and you can't do every last thing that you want. If being with God and spending time in his word happens to fall at the very same time as some other activity, a practice, a game, a concert, a recital, whatever it might be, then following Jesus might, be willing, might mean being willing to let go of things that you would naturally love. On the flip side, Maybe following Jesus, maybe the choices that you make and the priorities that you set brings a little bit of ridicule into your life because you take your faith so seriously after all. Maybe following Jesus means that you say no to temptation and as a result you go through the very difficult and painful struggle that is self-denial, denying yourself something that you truly want. Maybe following Jesus means that you're unwilling to act somewhat unethically in the workplace, or you're unwilling to work so many hours that you neglect your other responsibilities, and so as a result, someone else gets the promotion instead of you. Following Jesus might mean holding on to things that you might naturally want to get rid of. 
being a follower of Jesus comes with difficult decisions. Which again is why Jesus wants us to make those decisions way far ahead of time. If we wait until those decisions are in front of us, if we wait till we are in the heat of the moment, odds are it's already going to be too late. Jesus illustrates what he's trying to tell us with a, a couple of different short parables, you might say. He says, say you're trying to build something. You might have all kinds of big dreams about how big it is and all of the different features and the fixtures and the finishes that it has. But at some point before you start building, you need to sit down and setting all of that emotion aside, carefully calculate just how much money you have. And if you don't, you're going to start that building project. You won't be able to finish it and you'll be the laughing stock of everyone around you. Then Jesus says, say you want to pick a fight with somebody. Say you're really angry with someone and someone else really has it coming. Before you launch that first blow, you need to stop. You need to size up yourself and size up then. You need to ask yourself if, you can, if this is really a fight that you can win. And if not, you need to wave the white flag and surrender. The point of both of those little illustrations is the same. Because following Jesus comes with difficult decisions, we need to be cold and calculating as we count the cost of following him. So when we do that, how will it turn out? In other words, we've, we've talked a little bit about the nature of this calculation that Jesus wants us to make. What's the outcome going to be? When we, when we run all of the numbers and weigh all of the different factors that are involved, what is that going to lead us to do? What's going to be the outcome of that calculation? In theory, it should be easy math, right? What we gain for following Jesus, far better than anything that we would give up. But in reality, the correct answer is, well, it depends. Depends on the person what the outcome is going to be. In fact, what's important for us to realize is that Jesus spoke these words right after telling a little bit of a, a longer parable. And in that parable, there is a master who is preparing to throw this, this lavish, wonderful banquet that he wants to invite all of his friends to. And so he sends out the invitation to everyone that he knows. And you would think that everyone would want to come to this wealthy master's wonderful, rich banquet. And yet, there is one person who gets the invitation, but then thinks to himself, you know what, I've got this brand new property that I just bought, and I want to go check it out. I want to walk it. There's another person who's just bought five new pair of oxen, and he wants to take them for a little test drive in the field to see how they work. There's another person who just got married and wants to spend time with his wife, and so all three of those people decline the invitation from this master. So then the master says to his servants, I want you to go out into the city, into all the streets and the alleys, and I want you to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. I want you to invite the people that have nothing, the people that have no one. And surprise, surprise, they all show up. So what does that little parable teach us about the outcome of trying to calculate the cost of following Jesus? Well, the first thing it teaches us is that our commitment to Jesus and our willingness to follow him does not somehow make us worthy of entering into his heavenly banquet. Notice how the master of the banquet wants everyone to come. He invites absolutely everyone that he knows, including the people who reject that invitation. In fact, long before we can even consider whatever cost it might come, at, come to us to follow Jesus, we need to remember that Jesus was just as cold and just as calculating when it came to his work of saving us. I mean, just think what 
might have happened, what could have happened, what, what certainly should have happened if Jesus had waited till the heat of the moment to decide if everything that he needed to go through for our salvation was really worth it? What if he had waited until the time when he was being beaten and spit on and mocked? What if he had waited until those little bits of metal in the flog were just ripping his back to shreds? What if he had waited until those spikes were being driven through his hands and feet? What if he had waited until those hours of agony as he suffocated on the cross? What if he had waited till the heat of the moment to decide, is this really all worth it? And worth it for a world full of people who rejected him for disciples who abandoned him, for a world full of people who often act as though he isn't worth a whole lot to them. Thank goodness Jesus didn't make that decision just based on a spur-of-the-moment, gut-instinct sort of whim, but had made that decision long before. And simply through his determined and unconditional love, had long before decided that no matter what he had to go through, it was worth it to save us. Our commitment to Jesus, our willingness to follow him and pay any cost, doesn't somehow make us worthy of being members of his kingdom. If we aren't all that committed to following Jesus, the danger is not that he's suddenly going to walk away from us. The danger is just the opposite. The danger is that we might turn around and walk away from him that when the king invites us to be a part of his banquet, we might respond just like those three men did. When that invitation comes, I'm guessing no one in the room is going to say, no way, I hate that guy. There's no way I would be caught dead in his house. Instead, just like those three men, we might get that invitation and just like they did, sort of shrug our, our shoulders and say, meh. To think to ourselves, yeah, what Jesus offers us is pretty nice, but I think that I've got something that's just as good, if not better. How easy it is for us to look for the very things that Jesus offers us in other places, with other things and other people. To think as though we might be able to find the unconditional love and the complete acceptance that we crave in, in the opinions of others, in, in our friends and in our family to think that we might be able to find our value and worth as human beings in good looks or good grades or good jobs, that we might find the purpose and meaning that we want for our lives in the career that we have or the children that we are raising, that we might find hope for our future in our wise decisions and our hard work. It is so very easy for us to think as though we can find the things that Jesus is offering us somewhere else, and that's why we need to be cold and calculating. That's why we need to calculate accurately and correctly. As good as each of those things is that Jesus tells us to be ready to give up in these verses, all wonderful blessings from God, what they offer us will always be inferior to what Jesus himself can offer us. The unconditional acceptance we have from him, the value and worth that comes from knowing the price he paid for us, the certain hope that comes from knowing that we have an eternal home in heaven with him. We need to carefully count those costs. And when we do, when we do our math correctly, the outcome of those calculations will always be obvious. And do you know who will benefit from that? 
if we are cold and calculating as we count the cost of being Jesus' disciple. We've talked about the, the nature of our calculation and the outcome of the calculation. Last but not least, the blessing that comes from doing what Jesus describes in these verses. If we count the cost carefully, do you know who will benefit? Obviously us, and we'll get to that in just a second. But so will everyone and everything else in our lives. As shocking as it is to hear Jesus say that we need to be ready to hate wife or children, parents or spouse, whatever the case might be, it's even more shocking to think that by doing so, that's the biggest favor we could possibly do for those people. In other words, that the best way to love someone is to hate them the way that Jesus describes here. Remembering again that that simply means putting them always second behind our relationship with Jesus. We might think of it this way. Which will cause you to have a greater appreciation for your beautiful flat-screen TV? If you expect that flat-screen TV to do what flat-screen TVs do, which is take whatever football game you're planning on watching this afternoon and display it for you in vivid, bright colors with crystal-clear surround sound. Or, or if you expect that flat-screen TV, when the game is over to then hop down off the wall, vacuum your house, and clean all of your bathrooms? Which of these two will cause you to have a higher opinion of your pet dog, for example? If you expect your dog to do what dogs do, to go on walks, to wag its tail every time you walk through the door, to sit and to speak and to roll over on command, or if you expect that dog to pick up your kids from school and make you dinner every evening. When we expect things to do, what they are not capable of doing, we naturally end up loathing them and resenting them for not living up to our expectations. And in the very same way, with every single thing and every single person that Jesus asks us to be willing to let go of and put on the other side of that line from Jesus, if we expect them to give to us, to bring into our lives the things that only Jesus can bring, we will be placing on them a burden that they cannot possibly carry. And as a result, we will only end up resenting them for failing to live up to our expectations. The greatest favor you could possibly do for the people that you love in your life is to make sure that they occupy the right spot on that list. The greatest way you could possibly love them is actually to hate them the way that Jesus describes. And then, of course, not only will they benefit but we will benefit too. Yes, following Jesus will come at a cross. Yes, it will bring pain and difficulty into our lives. But, but sort of like it might, for one of those poor people Jesus mentions, picture a, a poor person who grows up in terrible circumstances, high poverty, high crime, low quality education, really no prospects for a bright future, but then someone comes along and offers them a completely free ride to a wonderful four-year school. An offer that comes with hope for a good education, hope for a great job, and hope for a great life. Yes, but an offer that also comes at a cost. An offer that will require of that person years of hard work, years of discipline, and years of sacrifice. But do you think it's worth the cost? Absolutely. Or 
it might be like it would be for one of those crippled people Jesus mentions. Picture a person who gets into a terrible car accident and is confined to a wheelchair for the rest of their lives. But then all of a sudden there's an offer for a cutting-edge new surgery that gives them the possibility of once again walking, once again riding a bike, once again playing catch with their kids in the front yard. But yes, an offer that will come with months of painful rehab and physical therapy. Does it come at a cost? Yes. Is it absolutely worth the cost? Absolutely. In the very same way, if we do our calculations correctly, if we add everything up right, yes, our relationship with Jesus will come at a cost. And yet, never once will we have to question if that cost is worth it. No matter how much following Jesus forces us to leave behind, we will always come out ahead. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.